uh, in Romans chapter 15, begin reading at verses 16 and following, that I should be the minister of the Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ in those things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of, these, of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed, through many signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem round about unto Icarium I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. But as is written to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. For a few moments, what does a missionary look like? As we look into the Word of God, we understand from reading this passage, along with the book of Acts, that we find that the Apostle Paul was indeed a soul winner. He was a man that was deeply concerned about the lost conditions of humanity. He knew what it meant to be lost himself. He knew what it meant to be a Christian. He knew what it was like to work under religion, but he knew what it was now to have a great salvation. He knew what it was like on one occasion uh, to be a hater of Christianity, but he knew what it was like now to be a Christian and loving the Jesus of Christianity itself. So wherever Paul the Apostle went, uh, he was a soul winner with its own right. But yet he was also, this text tells us, that he was a missionary as well. Now in some respects, the term soul winner and missionary can be used interchangeably at times. But in reality, they are two different things, but they have some similar traits to them as well. A soul winner is someone that wins souls, witnesses right where we are in our culture, to our people group, to our community, uh, to our loved ones, our co-workers, and to our families. That's who we are as soul winners. But a missionary is someone that goes beyond the comfort zone, goes beyond our culture, goes to another culture group, to another people group, uh, to another group, maybe sometimes in another country itself, and there they win souls uh, for Jesus Christ the Lord. Now for a church to really be uh, considered a real New Testament church, we must be engaged in fulfilling the Great Commission uh, for the glory of God itself. This involves witnessing where we are, but it also involves taking where we are and going into other places where we need to be. Do you understand that? I believe that we all need to be witnesses and soul winners to the Lord right where we are. But we don't stop here. We have got to devise some type of a plan whereby we can encircle this planet and we can encompass this world uh, with the gospel of Jesus Christ the Lord. That's the mandate that Jesus gave in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 uh, where he said, After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the world. It's not either or, friends, it's all four. Are you with me? It's not either or, it's Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the uttermost part of the world. Uh, you know, we can't say, well... I'm faithful here and let the missionaries fend for themselves. Or we can't say, well, I support missions and let them fend here. No, it's not either or. It's us being involved in all four for the glory of God. So whether we're at home, whether we're at work, whether we're in the community or whether we're on the foreign field, we are to be soul winners and or missionaries at all times. 
Paul tells us uh, some traits that a genuine missionary uh, would look like, and I want to share those, if I may, just for a few moments this morning, or this evening. May we examine our own hearts and see if these traits are true uh, to our life as well. First of all, uh, we can see the trait by missionary's confirmation. In verses 18 and 19a, we see that a missionary is fruitful. Fruitful. It's confirmed by a heavenly walk and an earthly work that's carried out upon this planet. Paul says that his purpose was to make the Gentiles obedient to the faith. He says that in, I'm not going to take the time to read it, you know, I could, uh, in Romans 1.5, as also is in Romans 16 and 26, you will find there that in both instances he speaks about the obedience of faith. Paul the Apostle was not just concerned about getting someone to be, uh, 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 give a confession of accepting Christ. He wanted that to carry out and carry over to the people to whom he preached to, to be obedient to the faith that he himself declared uh, through the preaching of the gospel. Paul was saying, I have proof that my ministry is real. Everywhere I leave a trail of obedient new believers wherever I go. I thank the Lord for that. You see, brothers and sisters, uh, the only way where to see our labors in Christ have really taken root is simply not by somebody uh, saying, I've accepted the Lord, but by the way they live their life out day by day. Has their life been changed? Has their life been transformed? Has their life been radically renewed uh, by Jesus Christ? It's not enough to get somebody to make a confession. People do that all the time. If you want to see the proof of salvation, look at that person that got, that got saved, so to speak, a, a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, or five years from now, if that person has been changed by the power of God, there will be a change where that person will be obedient to the faith come devil, come hell, or high water. In case you don't know it, everybody that comes to the altar and prays a sinner's prayer does not get saved. The acid test is to look at that individual uh, years down the road uh, to see whether or not they really uh, believed in who Jesus Christ really was. So again, to be a, a missionary, you're going to see some fruit behind what they do. It were soul winners, we'll see some fruit behind what we do. It's also confirmed by a heavenly work. Paul's next statement is that what he's been allowed to witness was the work of God in him and the work of the Holy Ghost through him. He says, I take no credit for the souls that have been born again. I take no credit for the lives that have been transformed. I take no credit for the churches that have been built. All glory goes to Jesus Christ. There's no padding the results with the Apostle Paul. There was no attempts to impress men by saying, man, let me tell you, the people came to the altar call last night. We had 15 people that prayed the prayer. Paul said, I ain't worried about that. I want to be obedient to the faith tomorrow. You know, you've got a lot of preachers, and I hate to say this. I want to think this out loud, if you'll permit me. I've seen preachers whom I dearly care a lot about, good friends. But they might have some kind of an outing at their church, and they may say, 1,500 people showed up and 1,500 people accept the Lord. Aren't we good? Well, where are those 1,500 people at next Sunday? You see, if we can get to the place where we just quit counting heads, if we can get to the place where we just quit trying to take all the glory, God Almighty will shower His power with us, but He will never share His glory with us. All the glory must go to the Lord Jesus Christ. He and him, he alone is the one. Paul knew that he was just a mere vessel in the hands of Jesus Christ. And I remind you that Paul said, I have planted, Apollos has watered, but it's God who has given the increase. Would to God that churches and church people would quit competing with each other. 
Our job here is not to produce a list of heads that we can put a report, well, we had 4,500 except the Lord. Well, where are those 4,500 at now? The proof of the fruitfulness is are they being obedient to Jesus Christ after they prayed the prayer of faith in their heart. Our duty is to come to a place that we understand that nothing that will ever last for the kingdom of God will ever be built outside the power of the Spirit of God himself. Amen. You and I can manipulate and we can massage and we can coerce and we can trick and whatever the case may be and we can build the numbers. But friend, where is the anointing and the power of God and where is the transformation of the people in the pew? We can pack out this building but you know, there are a lot of youth pastors today that are more like athletic directors than they are the youth pastors. Yeah. And there are some churches that are more like concert halls than they are a place where the gospel is preached. And there's a lot of folk will, will dummy down the message so that the people will come with they all look at the crowds, look at the mass people. Let me tell you something. Just because some church is big, that does not mean it's successful. I would rather have a handful of people that are obedient to the faith, that are committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, than to have a houseful of people that are as worldly as worldly can be and have no amount of sense about the things of God at all. Give me a people that's obedient to the Word of God, obedient to the dedication of Christ, obedient to the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about obedience. And Paul said, follow what I'm saying. I have a trail of people that have prayed the prayer, but they are obedient to the faith of Jesus Christ the Lord. When we get there and understand it's not all about numbers, I believe God can help us a whole lot better. We don't worry about head counts. All we care about is Jesus Christ gets the glory for everything that we do. Would to God that we would die to ourselves and care less about what other people think about us or what other people think about the church. Would to God that we would learn it's his business and he will take care of his business. He will confirm his word with signs and wonders to follow. It's confirmed by heavenly wonders. Paul makes three statements in verse 18 and 19 that I think we've got to consider this evening. He tells us that the ministry was confirmed by word and deed in verse 18. That's the life, he said, this is the life that matches my preaching. This is the life that matches my preaching. It's essential to the success of God's work. If we preach... Jesus and him crucified and people accept the message of Jesus and him crucified, they're going to walk different. Let me tell you something. When I got saved, I was dumb as a coal bucket. I had no idea what it meant to be born again. I was as lost as a ball in high weeds, but I went to an altar and I prayed, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin coming to my heart and something happened. Yeah. All things passed away and all things became new. The things I used to hate, I now love. The things I used to love, I now hate. I don't understand that. The desires change. Now some went like that and some went like that and some are still going like that. And don't you look at me like that. Come on. I see your halo spin on your horns. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Amen. But there was a transformation. Amen. There was fruit of what the Lord had done. There's a requirement for effective ministry. John said, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And Paul said, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Paul's ministry was, was confirmed by deeds and words, but also confirmed by mighty signs and wonders. Not just signs and wonders, but mighty signs and wonders. Let me tell you something, church. That was a common ordinary experience of the early church. 
they preached in faith and they believed God would confirm the word with signs and wonders. Where are they at today? God has not changed his mind about signs and wonders. God has not gone out of the business of performing his word with signs and wonders. I believe and I pray here tonight, let every one of us in our teaching and in our preaching believe and expect God to confirm his word, not just with signs and wonders, but with mighty signs and wonders. Why? To bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ. As I mentioned last Sunday night, I believe with all of my heart that in order for so many in this world that are so hardened, that are so gospel hardened, and and are so anti-Christian and so anti-church, if we will allow Jesus Christ to stand up and to be the Lord of his church, and allow him to confirm his word and let's get him out of the box and quit limiting him as the nation of Israel did, we will see people flock, I believe, to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. When our missionary said this morning that in Iran is one of the greatest revival centers in in that area. Why? Because they're seeing signs and wonders. They're seeing dreams and visions. Friend, let's pray, God, Help us not to limit you, the Holy One of Israel. We limit him in our thinking. We limit him what he thinks he can do. We put God in this box and we say, oh, we want revival as long as you stay in our perimeter. You see, what we do, and I didn't say uh, you, I say what we do is we approach God subjectively. Our faith rises to here and we think God's going to work to this level. But friend, I believe we need to get rid of that box and say, God, just be God. Would you begin to dream about this God that you read about in the Bible? What did he used to do? He fed people out of nothing. He parted red seas. He opened up blind eyes. He, he, He raised the dead. He sent manna down from heaven to feed. He would bring water out of a rock. And here we are sitting on our blessed assurance wondering, God, where are you? And we, we're so upset with our God because we have limited him. I'm going to tell you, God wants to confirm with mighty signs and wonders. Yeah. May we believe, may we pray, may we expect God to do those very things again today. Guess what? That's what's missing in this day and age. Men need to see the working of God in their midst. Our God's a miracle-working God. He's always done great things. He's always done the unexplainable things. But rather than giving up and quit, just let him be God today. When we preach his gospel, we should say, Lord, confirm your word with signs and wonders. You ever left the service going, I wonder about that. That's a wonder. You see, we want to understand everything God does. We want to have to some way be able to explain the way God moves. Friend, I don't always understand what God does. I don't understand what my wife does. I don't understand what I do sometimes. Do you? But we put God in this box and we think, now God, you're supposed to work this way. And we, we hit this button and you're supposed to do that. Let's get rid of all that junk Amen. and say, God, be God. Give me wisdom to obey your steps. Give me wisdom to obey your will. And Lord, if it's in that book, for the glory of God, confirm it with signs following. It will speak to the hearts of lost men and women and draw people to Jesus. Paul's ministry is also confirmed by the power of the Spirit. The power 
of the Spirit. He's saying it right here. Paul tells us that what he preached, his message was confirmed by the power of God. Friends, that'll get the job done. It's not our fancy buildings. It's not our program services. It's not our well-written out sermons. It's not about blue jeans, wide screens, and smoke machines. It's about the power of a living God. It's about his power being manifested. On oh, the power of God can convict a sinner. On oh, the power of God can call down strongholds. On oh, the power of God can transform lives. On oh, the power of God can heal the sick body. On oh, the power of God can drive out demons. We too long have been relying, relying upon the auspices of the flesh. I don't want the flesh anymore. I want God to show up. And I want to tell you something. I've never been involved in it, but I've read enough about it. When you've got cults, and people that are witches and warlocks, and they go out and they get their little garbs on, and they go out in their little clandestine places, and, and they draw their pentagrams on the ground, and they do all their chanting and all that junk, and they call upon evil spirits. Guess what happened? They show up. Well, how in the world come if you and I invoke the name of Jesus Christ? Why don't he show up? I'm here to tell you he does. We just don't recognize him. Amen. Because we put him in our box. Now, Lord, for you to be God, you've got to work like this. We couldn't dare do anything that's undignified. We, we, we can't dare stand up with hands raised up. That's just not dignified. We, we couldn't dare a nail on our face before you because we might get our trousers dirty. Whatever the Spirit of God business, I'm here to tell you, I'm believing. I might be a crackpot, but that's all okay. I might be a nut, but I'm tied up to the right bolt, okay? I believe God's going to place us in positions to honor the faith of God like we've never done before. He's going to ask you to do things. You go, that's just not my nature. I, I can't do that. Could it be called pride? Could we say, well, I'm just shy? I, I, I hid behind that eight ball for all my life. I'm just shying backwards. But beloved, if we'll do what he says to do, and he'll always ask us to do something at times that we are not comfortable with. Well, what happens if the church looks upon me and judges me? That's between them and God, and this is between you and God. Amen. I'm not talking about wildfire. Somebody said, Preacher, you worried about wildfire in the church? I am not. There's enough wet blankets sitting around. Put it out. Yeah. We have to worry about that. But what I'm saying, I believe he will put us in positions. Let me just see whether or not you really want me or not. Amen. Does that make sense? Yes. I'm longing for the day where they bypass the hospital and wheel people to the church. I long for the day when we bypass this arm of flesh and come right direct to the church and let the power of God have his way. If there's any sick among you, what does this say? Any sick among you, like look on the yellow pages and look up doctor. That's what we do. That's what I do. Am I right? Any sick among you, let them call the elders of the church. Let them anoint with oil. If they committed sins, they shall be forgiven. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Yeah. Well, I did that. It don't work. So that's why I called the doctor. That's why I'm saying we have made Christ subjective to our experiences. We have made Christ subjective to our experiences. Let's continue to do what God has asked of us to do, church. i got to hurry. Traits again of a missionary by his commitment Paul said in verse 19, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Not only is a missionary fruitful, he's also faithful. There are too many quitters. There are too many quitters in the work of God. 
They need, there needs to be some people that will stick to it, that will stick to what God said. Paul said, now then, we are ambassadors of Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. That's what he wants us to do, to be a reconciliator to a lost and dying world. And we need people that won't quit. But people will continue on. There must be a commitment to the mission of Christ. As Paul carried out the Lord's call upon his life, he took his commission seriously. Notice this, if you will. He started in Jerusalem. He went to his Judea. He went to another part of his world. Now, according to the Word of God, the Bible said here that he went into Eucurium. That's modern-day Yugoslavia. That's where Paul went. Paul traveled at least 1,500 miles by foot or by ship. And that is a remarkable feat when you consider the way people were, 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 were in transportation back in those days. 1,500 miles this man traveled for the glory of God. That's a staggering thing. That's a biblical pattern for ministry. We're to begin in Jerusalem, expand to outreach to the circles around about us. That's exactly what Paul did. On one occasion, there was a particular man uh, by the name of Sir William McGregor, missionary to Africa. He once asked the Islam, that he was once asked why Islam was spreading far more rapidly than Christianity in the part of the world. His response was this. He said, it's just this. Every Muslim regards himself as a missionary. The majority of Christians think it's another man's work. End of quote. There must be a commitment to the message of Jesus Christ. Paul had a message to preach the gospel to the Lord, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ. He didn't come give his doctrine. He didn't come to give his opinion. He didn't come to give the headlines of the paper. He preached Christ and him crucified. And if you and I have a message to share by witness or by preaching, and we do not do it, we're like the, the leper sitting at the gate at 2 Kings 7. If we're not proclaiming the gospel, our message is either counterfeit, our witness is either counterfeit, or it itself is contradiction. Paul said, I have fully preached the gospel. Praise the Lord. Now we may fall into a trap if people fall in today, and that's watering down the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the whole gospel for the whole world. God will confirm his word, not the opinions of man concerning the word of God. Are we fully proclaiming the whole counsel of God? Are we fully witnessing that Jesus is, 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 is love for the entire world? Are we faithfully doing those things he's asked of us to do? i got to hurry. Traits of a missionary, a missionary's consecration, verses 20 and 21. A missionary is faithful, a missionary is fruitful, but a missionary is also focused. We often think of missionaries as people that have no life. I, I thought that for years. They just, they don't have no life. They, they just go and, and, and it's boring and dre dead and dry. I, I've been on the field with a lot of missionaries in my life. And I hear them say quite often, as our missionaries said, don't feel sorry for missionaries unless they're sorry missionaries. It's anything but dull. Christianity should be anything but dull and monotonous. Wherever the Apostle Paul went, there's a revival or a riot. Wherever the Apostle Paul went, uh, he was either going to have a, a crusade or he's going to end up in jail. That's not a dull life. And the same thing can happen with you and me. Listen to his words again. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. In weariness and painfulness, in watching often, in hunger and thirst, in fasting often, in cold and nakedness. Besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of the churches. 
that don't sound like that boring life to me. I don't see how the guy didn't have a belly full of ulcers. But he was totally in love with Jesus. It was not dull. It was not monotonous. He was faithful. He was fruitful. And he was productive for the glory of God. I'm going to hurry. He concentrated on new frontiers. I could talk about that. He concentrated on new foundations. In other words, Paul didn't stay here. He went there and he went there and he went there. He focused on, if you will, new foundations. Paul did not build upon somebody else's foundation. Paul said, there's no church there. I'm going to go and build a church. Can we not see this in our own world here at home? There's some neighbor that you have. They don't know anything about Jesus. They know nothing about Christianity. We can go and build on that fresh virgin soil. Are you with me? People are looking for a witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they don't care how much we know until they know how much we really care. He was concerned about new foundations. I believe we can do the same as well. He concentrated on new faces. I think it's interesting. Paul had a desire to go to this continent. And yet he was forbidden by the Holy Spirit to go. And then he saw a Macedonian call. Come over here and help me. So Paul takes off to Philippi hoping, man, there's, there, there's no church here. There's no synagogue here even. They were anti-Semitic. So he's looking for men to minister to and he ends up with a bunch of women. He's preaching to a bunch of women down by the river. That's not what he wanted, but that's what God wanted him to do. So we don't argue the plan of God, we obey it. And as a result of being in the will of God, he cast a demon out of the person and it got him in jail. And there they are in the will of the Lord in jail, once again, proclaiming the word. I don't think I signed up for this preacher. I don't think I want to do that, pastor. Well, friend, you're going to miss the power of God. You're going to miss the salvation of souls. It's not about your comfort or mine. It's about depopulating hell and populating heaven. It's not about my comfort or yours. It's about picking up the cross. Not a padded cross. Not an easy cross. But picking up the cross and following Jesus wherever he goes. May the Lord birth the same determination in your heart and mine even today. May we pray like we never prayed for signs and wonders to follow. May we pray like we never prayed before that we'll do the works of evangelists. May we pray like we never prayed before that we can send more missionaries overseas than we ever have before. And may we pray they be so full of the Holy Spirit of God that they would do great exploits for the Lord. I want to close this message with a challenge. Are you and I doing everything we can do financially to support our missionaries? Are we doing everything we can do prayerfully to support our missionaries? Are we doing everything we can do locally here at home to witness of the gospel message of Jesus Christ? The question is, are we doing it? I read a story about a little fishing village. There was a, a stream, a river that ran through the town. It had bad undertow, undercurrents. And one day there was commotion at the head of that river. A boy had fallen in. And they saw that boy out there trying to grasp breath, trying to fight the waves. And one of the most experienced swimmers in the, in the village, he jumped in the water before he did. He wrapped a rope around himself and he threw it to the crowd. And he jumped into that water and he swam out and he rescued the boy. And all the parents wondering, was that my boy? Is that my boy? Is that my boy in there? And they had a sense of relief when the experienced swimmer had caught that boy. And he said, now pull in the rope, pull in the rope. But while everybody was watching, Nobody tied the rope off. And the whole village watched two, a boy and a man, drown going down the river. All because nobody 
would tie off the rope. Are you and I a faithful rope holder to those that go? Sometimes everybody's responsibility becomes nobody's responsibility. And brothers and sisters, let me ask you this. How can we win the lost if we who are saved will not pay the cost? How can we win the lost if we who are saved will not pay the cost to get them there? We can be that faithful rope holder, can we not?